With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The National then, the National, the big one. This is, in association with Red's Bet, this is the Anfield Wrap with you. In order to go through what could be going on in the Grand National, we've got Tom Lee joining, he's got a long segment discussing the ins and outs of it with me. Uh, all fantastic stuff. Uh, but we are supported by Red's Bet for 2018, and this is us looking at the Grand National. If you're only, if this other person only bets on one horse a year, uh, who only gambles around the time of the National, please do join Red's Bet. It's tailor-made for Liverpool fans, and 50% of it is shared uh, for other causes, fan causes and things that matter to supporters. All of that's available for you. You know that by now. But I just want to have a big chat about the National, really. West Tip, that's the first National horse I remember, Mike Nevin. Yeah. West Tip, about 86, 86. I think I was... Yeah. It, was the, it was the same day that Liverpool beat uh, Southampton in the FA Cup semi-final. So that was one I missed. Um, my first one was 87, Maori Venture, which won in the most horrendous rain and wind. And um, my girlfriend at the time wore a very nice white trouser suit and it was it was brown by the end of the day. It was just kicking up mud everywhere. It was it was mad. Um, and then I've been to, as I said before, I think I went the first national with me misses in '95. Been every year since bar one. Um, yeah, it's I mean it's it's just the day of days. Um, I mean obviously you've had the, you've had the Thursday, you've had the carousing of the Friday, and then you've got the basically the most famous race in the world on the Saturday. It is the most famous race in the world, uh, Paul. That's the the event of it, the theatre of it. The, the, the fact that the whole day does just build to it. I mean, that's the thing. Now, they've moved the time to emphasise that even more, but it really does just... It, it dominates everything, but it also dominates, like I know, you know that, for instance, you, you're going to speak to your mum and dad about it. Everyone's going to be talking about the national. Yeah, it's it's incredible, really. Like I've, I've only actually been on the on the Saturday a few times, a handful of times, in, in me like I'm, I'm usually there on the Friday, but it, it struck me the first time I'd been there that um, for the for the Saturday, how big an event it is. Like you can feel it. It's like we've we've been obviously banging on about footy in the European Cup recently because we we've got that feeling again as Liverpool fans. What's one of them? <laughs> <laughs> See, my, my eyes averted yours. Oh, no, I'm trying to, try to be polite. Just glazed over me there, yeah. <laughs> like a ghost I was. Um, but it, it's got that feel on the day, hasn't it? Like the build up to it, you can feel like the, it does. Like, it's that electricity in the air type thing, which I was I was surprised by because I'm not. I'm I am a your typical sort of day tripper. We're going back to what we were talking most about the Thursday and Friday. That I, I'm you. I, I won't watch horse racing all year, and then I'll go to Cheltenham and Aintree and, and be a proper day tripper mm. with me, me camera phone out and all that. Yeah. So it is funny when we talk about that on the last show that. Um, and I didn't. I, I suppose I didn't expect because I've watched the national my whole life, and you've got the whole thing in your family of everyone picks the race, your horses, even as kids and everything. So to be sort of caught up in that live in the at the event, it was phenomenal. I highly recommend anyone goes who's, who's never been. Yeah, well, when you see it on the telly, it never fully does it justice. I've only been to the Saturday twice, and I, I don't know about you guys, but you know when you go to a new football ground that you've never been to before, I'm like. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that bit on the telly, and the only the only memory you've got of it is what you've seen on the screen. And Ainsley's not like that for me because when you see it on TV, they film so many particular areas of it, and obviously it's there's close-ups of it, and there's some great aerial shots and stuff like that. But yeah. 
it's that vast of a ground that you'll always find somewhere that you've not seen before at any point you go. But the thing for me on a Saturday is the raw when they approach the tape. I mean, it does send shivers down your spine. Every single person is up shouting, go on, yeah. and all that. And I mean, just just to have thousands of people in, in unity just sort of willing on 40 horses that you probably, most people there, apart from the, the genuine race goers, haven't got a clue what's going on. Yeah. And there's an anticipation then and a real sort of feeling of suspense because usually one of them will break free first and you have to bring them all back round and stuff like that and it's it's a really nervous wait and if I always I'm always happy when mine gets over the first because I think if it falls the first then oh, it's just a complete waste of money and time the, the thing about the first fence is it's one of the smallest fences on the course but um, they're fresh to it, it though aren't they yeah and it's a, but it's in percentage it's a long terms, run into it as well it's a long yeah. run um, you know sort of round the corner from the stands out to out towards the countryside, really. Is it over Melling um, Road? Did you go over Melling? You go over Melling Road, yeah. yeah. Um, on the way down to the first, I think. And yeah. the thing, as I say, in percentage terms, a lot of horses fall at the first because they're they're over they're over excited because they absolutely love it. Mm. They're bred to race at the end of the day, and um, they get over excited and they get this high percentage of fallers at the first, despite the fact that it's probably one of the least um, demanding obstacles in the race, and then. The third fence historically was was one of the biggest. I know everyone talks about Beaches Brook and the Chair, Canal Turn, Valentine's Brook, but the third was notorious because it was a huge fence. The fences have been modified for, for for safety reasons in recent years. They're still unique. There's no other course that have, that's got this this gorse and that dresses these hedges. You know, it's a unique look and feel. But um, you ever felt that stuff, by the way? Because I, I I play golf there quite often. You know, on the nine hole golf course, it's in the middle. Yeah, the ninth green. Yeah, uh, where you come off because it's near nine hole course. It's right next to the first fence. Yeah, and I remember playing with my dad years ago, and he went, "Do you want to come and look at the national fences?" So we went up to them, and I was like. They towered above me, do you know sure, what I mean? And yeah, yeah. Um, they, they were just dressing them up. I think there was a meeting on there at some point, and the, the feel of the what, what is it that they put on them? It's uh, gauze, 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 yeah. It cut my hands when I picked one yeah. of them up. It's really, really sharp. Yeah. And again, it's testament to the, the size of these like beasts that get over yeah. them, and they just saunter when they jump over them as well, don't no, they? It's just it's, and you think no, if you it, hit it, that, it's fantastic. Yeah. But, but Dave's yeah. referring to there just takes me back as well because I think they still do this, but I'm not quite sure when it is. But you can walk the course. You can. Um, it used to be the Friday night before the race. So the racing had finished on the Friday and there'd be about an hour lapse. And then basically the public could come in and walk around the whole course. So you'd walk down to Beaches Brook and you'd stand next to it and you'd think, God almighty, it's fast. I was almost it, jumping over that. Yeah. And then it, it has a drop on the other side as well um, because effectively it's a ditch. And um, that's that's like a sporting challenge really to land safely and obviously be able to continue in, in the race. So Beaches is notorious. The chair which is the other notorious fence, if you like, is the um, is right in front of the grandstands as well. Mm. So where out of beaches, the people, the only people who can see that are the ones that actually have stationed themselves in the countryside, <clears throat> maybe looking over the fence, as Dave said yeah. previously. Um, but then you, you, your race goers in the stands from the Tattersalls, which is the cheapest bit, through to like the stands where you're paying maybe £100 to get in, the shares like directly in front of you. So that's... That's like that. I mean, that's one of the world's great sporting spectacles. Mm. As they come, they only jumped that once in the race. Um, all the other fences have jumped twice, I think, except the water jump. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's just fantastic, really. Just to go through the the history of it, Mike's first one was eighty seven. He went to Maori Venture one. I'm going to just know how how good you are. We're going to have to. We're going to speak to Tom, and then I'm going to find out how good you are at tipping national oh, winners. No. I want you to go through and just be honest with me if you had the winner or not. Eighty eight, rhyme and reason. 80, I was one year old then, so no. That's out. <laughs> 89, little Paul there. No. No, no one has it. 90, Mr. Frisk. 
Yes. Yeah, Mr. Frisk. That was the, that, that it recorded the fastest time in yep. recent history. Yeah, Mr. Frisk. Okay, 91 Seagram. Anyone have Seagram? No. Uh, I think I had Seagram. 92 Party Politics? No. 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 Okay, 94 Mini Homer? Yes. I have Mini Homer, yeah. Okay, 95 Royal Athletes. The names, by the way, are so evocative. Royal Athlete, 95. Okay, 96 Rough Quest. Yeah, that was that was the first national, I remember, because Mick Fitzgerald wrote that one, didn't he? Yep. I didn't, um, I didn't back it. Didn't back it. Number 97, Lord Galine. No. no. 98, Earth Summit. Went off 7-1 favourites. 7-1 favourites, everyone got it. Everyone lumped on there. Uh, 99, Bobby Joe. No. no. I have Bobby Joe. This is my bad run coming up. Oh, is it really? Yeah. I, I, well, I, this when, is my good run, 2000. Yeah, when the Irish started winning it with, with horses, it like... Papillon, is that 2000, Neil, is it? 2000 is Papillon, I have Papillon. Number 6, Valverde is another one. Yeah, that's to come. Uh, 2001, Red Marauder, anyone have that? No. Oh, no. no. 2002, Bindery. No. no, I have been to re. I tell you what, we might have to swap seats here. 2003 Monty's <laughs> Pass. No. No. No? Edge no. Hunter's my next one, I think. Uh, 2004 Amberley House. Yes. People yes. should have had that as well because of Trained the, by, uh, the McCain. Ginger McCain. Yeah, and, and Southport and all that yeah. sort of thing. There was a, a real bit of nostalgia about that one. Someone, used to, someone once said to me that you, whenever you're trying to work out, if, you, if, you, if you've got a horse and you're not sure whether or not to back it for the national, just say it in Peter O'Sullivan's voice and if it doesn't sound right, it's not going to win. <laughs> <laughs> 2005 Hedgehunter. Yes, yes. Yeah, emphatically. <laughs> that was favourite as well. Hedgehunter. Did that not come second to Cheltenham once as well? It was think, really good in Cheltenham. I think too. it did. Um, yeah. though, I mean, I, I had a quite a lot of money on there, Hedgehunter, and I'd been backing it all season. And uh, yeah, that I, I could have had a year off on the strength of that. Well, I'm about to I didn't call, like, but I'm, I could have done. I'm, I'm not far away from, not quite as emphatic, but I'm not far away from one of them myself. 2006, number six, Valverde? No. No. No takers. 2007, Silver Birch? No. Me, me, me daughter back then. Is this is the stage where there was a few real outsiders. Well, 33s, yeah. Uh, yeah. 2008, Comply or Die? No. Uh, let, let me use the word emphatically right. uh, on a personal that, well, level. That was um, Tony McCoy's first first win, wasn't it? I think. Uh, no, that was Timmy Murphy. Timmy Murphy was on that. Uh, McCoy was McCoy's don't push it. Oh, don't push it. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was. Um, yeah, compiled. I had been. Uh, I was. I was. I was more active in the horse racing back then, and I'd, not dissimilar to you. I'd been. I've been a week in, week out supporter of Comply or Die for the National, and then yeah. when it went off favourite, and I was there. I was at. I was. It was. It might have been the last Saturday I did, or the second to last one, and I was at the. I was at the winning line. I would describe myself as very pleased indeed. Two thousand, <laughs> two thousand nine, hundred to one, Mon Moan. No, no, no. I had that. Oh my! Word. Honestly, yeah, I had Mon Moan, uh, and it was the Yossi Benayoun scored the uh, the the goal for, at Fulham. Of Fulham oh. uh, that made you think Liverpool were going to win the league. He scored a last minute winner, Imagine my Saturday night day. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Neil, um, I'll tell you a story about that later when we're off air. Oh right, okay, I like that. Uh, Two thousand and ten is the first Tony McCoy one. Don't push it. Anyone? Well, see, do you know what that it. one though? I, I went through a stage where I always backed McCoy because I thought he's that good of a yeah, jockey. Yeah. There's no way he ends a career without winning, winning one. So yeah. I backed Clan Royal for. Years and he, he he come really close on Clan Royal a couple of times I think and there was once when I was um I was I was in uh, across the Mellon Road on one of the embankments yeah and he the, the tats and um I was I was watching him and he fell coming to the uh, canal turn yeah he was he was about fifteen lengths in front on the second trip round and he fell on the canal turn I remember going ballistic at him because he he ended up walking in front of him like that what the hell are you doing there Tony and all I was like. He, he doesn't know. I don't know anything about horse racing. <laughs> he thinks he's genuinely let me down there. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. Uh, Slaughter a national institution. 2011, Ballard Briggs. No. 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 2012, Neptune Colonges. No, this, no. this okay. is where it gets tough around. Yeah, no, it, it, it become the, the, the quality of horse that enters as well makes it more difficult. 2013, Aurora's Encore. No. 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 2000, 66 to 1, that 66 was. 66 to 1. 2014, Pinderay. 
Uh, oh. Nope. 2015, Many Clouds. Oh, yes, yes. Yes. Me and my daughter. Um, of all the ones we've gone through, that's the top rip. Slightly top less emphatically. Uh, 2016, Rule the World. No. no. And anyone have one for Arthur last year? Yes. Yes. All right, then. Uh, I'm going to ask you all what you're picking in a minute, and everyone can just listen to this and decide to go for something else. Uh, <laughs> but they can. I'm a big listen to Tom Lee. Here he is now with Tom Lee to talk about the Saturday of the Grand National Meeting. And we're obviously going to come on to talk about the big one because it is the big one. It dominates the day. But first and foremost, we are going to talk about the Liverpool hurdle, the entry stayers hurdle. Dominated about five, ten years ago by big books winning every single time under Ruby Walsh. That's the year I remember it the most in, to be honest with you, Tom, and the power of that horse uh, as it used to dominate right the way through the field. It is different to the national it's 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 very much you, you see these horses at the most powerful not just trying to survive through the through the contest well if it's anything like as good as the equivalent race at cheltenham then we're in for a treat um i think it is tricky because when you work through these you try and work out it looks as though for example one of the potential key names super sunday will already have run in the shorter race on the thursday right. so actually when you come through these uh, you've got the likes of Sam Spinner. He'd be a great story, actually, Neil, because he's trained up north by a guy called Jed O'Keefe, who's just really a very, very deeply sound guy, extremely well-liked. He's ridden by Joe Colliver, who, amongst other things, apart from being not such a well-known pilot, uh, he also, not that long ago, was behind bars. So this is a real tale of redemption for him as he's come back with this great story. Uh, is he going to win Sam Spinner? Maybe, because it's it's not the broadest race this year, but you have got last year's winner. And I think, as it finds down, um, it didn't quite happen for the horse I'm about to talk about now, Yanworth at Cheltenham. But this time last year, he did the business in this race at Aintree. So we know very well that this track trip and probably the ground will be okay. So very much a lot of this stuff in his favour. So um, Yanworth uh, trained actually, ironically, by by a man who we already mentioned, Alan King, mm. who's got Redition earlier in the week. So it could be a brilliant couple of days for him. But Yanworth, I think, if we're realistic, very much the one to aim at there. Then it's the the big one itself. They've moved it. How do you feel about the moving time? Do you think that's sensible? Do you think it's the idea of shifting it into prime time? Do you, did you prefer it? when it was closer to, the, to, 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 to half three, four o'clock, what would what, what be your ideal start time for the National? Do you know what? I have absolutely no issue with it. And in fact, in a funny sort of way, I prefer it because looking from, um, actually from somebody who's worked in and around horses as well, very often down the years, what we have got on the either the first or second Saturday of April is a blistering hot day in the Northwest. And when you think of these horses, it's not that often in the season that you get races of this nature where you've got, literally over four miles to gallop yeah so in in terms of actually the horse's welfare if you say when's the day at its warmest it's definitely probably going to be a little bit cooler at five fifteen than it is at three or four o'clock so in that regard i think it's clever because of course it keeps the crowd in the race course it keeps them spending it keeps the economy buoyant and in terms of the tv tv audience maybe it's a thing where in fact people have been out shopping or watching their kids play football at three o'clock, whatever it might be, or indeed going to a match somewhere, can indeed come back and get stuck into that as well. So, no, I'm not against that at all, Neil. Uh, and having covered it as you do, I mean, the extent to which it must grab, is everyone conscious of the the number of stories that always are in the Grand Nationals? Is that what you talk about when you're all sitting around, you have a meeting, how are we going to do this? What's the production plan for this? And you're almost like, well, how? You know, we've got 40 horses here and 23 of them have got cracking stories behind them. Well, sometimes it's even more than that because you think really this is, for some people who are involved in racing, even if you've got a, even if you own a hoof, 
uh, of a horse to have to have an involvement in the national and actually get into that final 40 to do that in itself to have one good enough that's story worthy but then to actually be thinking we've got some sort of legitimate chance of winning this race well that that in itself is quite something uh Therefore, then, when you are covering it, you're working out. You're trying to work out which ones to pay attention to. You'll have done that this year as well. But let's start with the the way, the best way to think about it, which is which, which is who's at the front of the betting and who who is it that we that we we think has got a got a fine chance this year. You were saying to me you think it's going to be a very open race. I do think it's going to be a very open race because there's been a lot. I mean, at the start of the week, leading into it, soft ground on the national course. So I think everybody of a certain age remembers back to 2001 when a horse called Red Marauder uh, won the Grand National at Aintree uh, in literally knee-deep mud. I mean, the jockeys were coming back barely recognisable. So I'm not necessarily saying we're going to get one of those, but the potential game-changer, if it is soft, of course, you've got to make absolutely certain that whatever you've backed isn't just going to sink into the mud. So going through them... At the start of the uh, at the start of the week, looking ahead, you're talking about horses the caliber of uh, Willie Mullins' total recall coming across from Ireland. Um, he's so far probably not the most experienced horse you could say with absolute certainty, but a horse who's massive on potential. A uh, recent winner over hurdles, unusually at, Le- at uh, Leopardstown at the big meeting there uh, back in February. Not so good uh, last time out, but. I think when you go through these, you can, you can talk so many times about about horses with bits and pieces of chances. Tiger Roll, the Cheltenham specialist, Black Lion, who is, if he was a human, he'd probably be the kind of fella who has a few pints and then fights outside the pub because he's just hard as nails, that horse. Um, same comment applies to um, The Last Samurai. Uh, then you've got a horse who nearly won the Irish equivalent, Bells Hill, if he turns up. Uh, Manella Rocco, who's been, run very well in the Cheltenham four-miler before. Uh, so many of these. And in fact... I think there's little clues just starting to crop up all over the place because we talk about, say, for example, a horse like Annabelle Fly. It looks like, of the J.P. McManus, the famous green and gold silks, it looks as if Barry Geraghty will be choosing Annabelle Fly, uh, who's got some very smart staying form in the book from Leopardstown at Christmas time. You work through those, uh, there's a horse who's going to be something like 20 to 1 gold present. If he hadn't run at the Cheltenham Festival and run poorly on testing ground. I think I'd have been sitting here now saying, Neil, I think you and I should probably nip down the bookies now and back him. And yet that muddies the water because how hard a race did he have? Did he leave his chance behind with that big physical wasted effort at Cheltenham? And so you're going through this. Vicente, is he going to turn up or will he go to air the week after and so forth? Um, just on that, you, when you mentioned there about gold presents, we, again, because so many of us, so many people listening to this probably, you know, may gamble once a year at Aintree, uh, may gamble maybe in, in Cheltenham and Aintree, but in the same way in which, for instance, we were talking about footballers, we we talk about the idea that, you know, that fitness in terms of what's happened previously out, about the intensity that the, the, the fixture list have had up to that point and all of that. There are a lot of these horses, aren't there, who, who, who are coming in off the back of something at Cheltenham and they themselves, you don't, it's hard to tell and obviously because they can't communicate and trainers do know them, but it's hard to tell, isn't it, what Cheltenham will have taken out of a few of these? Well, it's so difficult because, for example, it might be that Total Recall goes off favourite and yet, how do you know 
three or four out at Cheltenham. He was in about sixth position in the Gold Cup and he hit the deck. How's that affected his confidence? You just don't know. And you're coming through these and you're actually trying to pick out the, the, the bones of various imponderables that probably deep down, not even their trainers know, they're hoping for the best, but until they actually get them out there on the track, it's really difficult to try and say. And we talk about these horses who ran in Cheltenham. Last Samurai, Kim Bailey's horse, that's a horse who stays forever, has been here before and actually run with distinction over these giant fences. He's R a horse- Runner up, wasn't it, a few years ago, a couple of years ago? Correct, literally 12 months ago. So I think when you, when you look at that and you try and weigh it all up, you say to yourself, Here's a horse who, what, in, I think it was, in fact, you're right, it was 2016, he was second, he was, he was down the field a year ago, uh, but here's a horse who's been there and done that and got the t-shirt, smart staying performances, and yet he was gambled off the boards the last samurai uh, when he ran in the cross-country race at the Cheltenham Festival. So he had a real exhausting experience there, and it's not a very big gap between races. That was the 14th of March, if memory serves me right, and here we are coming into literally a month later, the 14th of April, so he's got a month recovery time, but it could take a season to get over a race like that, so that's very tricky. Manella Rocco is a horse who bursts blood vessels, Vessels. See you at midnight has had a slightly unusual preparation. He ran at Newbury after a period off the track. We talked about gold present. And then you're getting into the realms of horses, maybe something like old Gasline Boy, who actually I went to see in the build-up to this. And as you know, I, I do a lot of work uh, with my colleagues at Fansbet. And the way we were looking at him, you think, well, where's a potential story? Here's a 12-year-old, so he's in the veteran phase. If he was a footballer, he'd be 34 and running games from a slightly withdrawn role <laughs> like the quarterback. And yet, actually, as recently as December, anyone who's listening to this who goes to Aintree regularly to the other meetings will know that he won over the big fences in the Grand Sefton on December the 9th. Uh, he was fifth 12 months ago. And actually, for some uncanny reason, he's come forward and he's probably... is best form he's ever shown in his lifetime now so you think he's only had 29 races in his life not completely impossible Neil that he might be one who comes forward and perhaps could at least I'm not necessarily saying as a 12 year old he's going to go and win the Grand National but I think for those people who if you're thinking oh that's the horse I got in the sweepstake in the office that's not a bad thing at all he could easily get into the frame and get you the each way money what what trends would you ask people to look out for in this? I mean, the National, again, we talked about on our previous show about the idea that Aintree's a different meeting and years gone by. I think the, the National was in many senses an easier race to sort of say, this is the sort of horse that does well. This is the sort of thing that happens. This is the way this works. Now, as the Grand National itself arguably has better and better and better horses entering year on year on year, it's a bit harder to see the trends. But are that you said there, for instance, a 12-year-old might be a little bit too old. Should people have their eye on 9-year-olds, 10-year-olds, rather than the idea of a 12-year-old or conversely an 8-year-old? Sure. No, it's very much in a way of if you're getting into those horses beyond a 10-year-old, then you're starting to stretch the parameters because you're actually looking at a situation whereby horses actually might be a little bit over the top. For example, the horse that won 12 months ago, won for Arthur, an eight-year-old, i.e. a horse who's coming into it probably with a, a nice gap between races and still actually at the age of seven, eight or nine, probably eight or nine realistically, maybe 10 for a Grand National, you're looking at horses who actually have still got the capacity to improve, albeit in their absolute peak and prime, i.e. sufficiently hardy, streetwise, experienced, able to handle the rough and tumble of one of these 
mega big field handicaps and yet not a sort of washed up old soak who's got nothing left in the tank so it is tricky this because I mean you look at Black Lion he came into the race eight to one favorite 12 months ago he was an eight-year-old here we are uh, a few months further down the tracks uh, he's a nine-year-old is he absolutely in his prime was that his big chance uh, Gasline Boy he was an 11-year-old last year the third horse last year was also an 11-year-old but generally speaking if you look certainly one for Arthur was an eight-year-old, the winner. The second horse was a nine-year-old. The fourth horse was an eight-year-old. So you're seeing a very clear pattern and trend there uh, that immediately within that, as you break it down, you're thinking you want that nice blend of experience, but also the potential either to be at their prime or to still further improve. And if you want to drill that down even further, just go back to a couple of years ago, as you correctly noted, when the last Samurai uh, was second, a nine-year-old, the winner, ruled the world, eight-year-old second, uh, an incredible 13-year-old was third. That's very rare. And then the fourth and fifth were eight and nine. So you see there, there's a very clear pattern. Um, you got to pick me three. What are your three to watch? So I've got a real soft spot for this horse Gaslight Boy, who that completely goes against what's just been said in terms of eight and nine-year-olds. And yet he's won over the fences this season. He goes on any ground. His trainer's in red-hot form. He was fifth in the race 12 months ago. And he's the type of animal who actually, when the going gets really tough, he will just turn around and go, what are you lot worrying about? Let's go. Come on, let's keep rolling. So I think if you were looking at something for a pound each way at 33 to 1, he's the kind of horse who can run a nice race. Um, however, if you're also saying, well, hang on a second, I'm actually really wanting to try and collect here. Where's something that's... If you think of the opportunity that you're going through these and you're all the while sort of trying to turn this round and think, who's actually going to give me a real serious rumble for my cash? There are horses here who've arguably had their chance. And then you're looking around thinking, well, do you know what? What about something who's actually still got time to improve, fits the trends, and is maybe trained by the kind of man who could bring one here and get the job done. Uh, there's an eight-year-old coming over from Ireland in the J.P. JP McManus Silks, a horse who's almost certainly, I think, on the grapevine, going to be the choice of Barry Geraghty, who would be able to look around the other McManus horses. And that's a horse called Annabelle Fly, uh, who comes here off the back of not only a major handicap win at Leopardstown at Christmas, but we know he recovered from his fall at Leopardstown uh, because the last day at Cheltenham, well, we all saw that on the 16th of March, he turned up and for all that he couldn't hold a candle to Native River and might bite, what he did do uh, was stay on very nicely at a huge price into third in the Gold Cup. And that's Annabelle Fly. So I think when you work through all of those trends and bits and pieces, a horse who's versatile as regards the ground fits that trend we've been talking about. A horse at probably the right age category who's still got a chance to improve, Neil. I think he'd be the one who, not necessarily at single figure prices, but what's he going to be? 10, 11, 12 to 1, something like that. I think you have a real good chance there. So rather than... I know there's other bits and pieces, but I think a lively outsider Gasline boy, I think a more aggressive uh, selection would be Annabelle Fly. Excellent stuff, Tom. Let's get back and talk to everybody else. Thanks very much to Tom. Uh, really kind of him to chat to us about that earlier in the week. I've got Dave Downey, Mike Nevin and Paul Coe back with me here. And so, you know, let's be serious about it insofar as we can. It's not meant to be that serious. The 2018 Grand National. Um and has anyone had the chance to have a look? What's got your attention, Dave? Um, the last Samurai I'm going to go for. Uh, I think it's around 16 to 1, something like that. Yeah. And I've backed it before, and I can't remember why. It's, it's fresh in my memory, and it, and it did win a race that I've backed it in. Um, also, I think it's gone well around ancient before. The last Samurai might, you know, 
Do you remember it? Yeah, placed yeah. in three of his four starts over the national fences. Yeah. Um, I can read things that are written down. There you go. You could have passed that <laughs> off as your own knowledge there. I admire your honesty there, Neil. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that, that's going to be my choice, yeah. But I normally, I'll go for that one. I'll put sort of the bulk of me betting money on that and then I'll probably end up picking another three or four based on what I hear experts like Tom say, uh, which, is, which isn't my pick, so I'll probably lump on those two that he's spoken about as well. Um, there is... Mike, you've you you said to me completely independently before as I, I told you what Tom went for. You you you've also gone uh, like him as your outsider of a gas line boy. Yeah, I mean, and if you think about having a bet on it, get on soon because the amount of people backing it and talking about it, the, the price is going to go dead short. And another good bit of advice as well: if you're betting on the national, don't be betting in the last fifteen minutes before the race because the the bookies will contract all of the odds very very sharply in the immediate uh, period before the race. So you need you need to get your money on. At the latest, really Saturday morning. Um, so that that's one piece of advice. Yeah, I'm I'm back in there. Um, I've backed Gasline Boy already, as as you said. Um, just as an alternative, I'm, I've not really looked at the race in loads and loads of detail, but because basically because I know most of the horses and their history. But um, the one that sort of springs to mind uh, is Vicente, uh, which is uh, forty to one. Uh, I think that's trained by Paul Nichols. It is. Um, so there's, you know, in terms of like credibility on the train in front, that's huge. Um, so I think that's got, I mean, that's, that, that, that'll be a decent bet. That's 40 to one on, on Red's bet. Um, so I backed that one each way. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I've backed Gasline Boy each way, but I've just got a feeling about Gasline, Gasline Boy. My son's a gas fitter as well, so I've tipped it to him. He's taking no notice of me. More fool him. <laughs> <laughs> um, Paul, what stood out for you? Um, well, if, if anyone was paying particular attention, then they'll have noticed that I didn't say yes very much at all to the, to the list of Grand National winners. I think I think I might have had one in my entire life. So the best tip I can give is, whatever I say next, just just scribble them out. Do the other thirty nine. Yeah, this is this is like the kiss of death. Um, I'm, I, I know nothing about horses, so I'm very much on a, a colours and names. Picking perfectly valid, mate. Perfectly and, and, valid. I've, and I've decided this year as well because I've got a, I've got a puppy who I've I've made famous by writing about it in an article this week. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get her to pick me one because I reckon she'll be well more <laughs> successful than I am. Um, but there's one called there's a horse called Chase the Chase the Spud, and I've I've been consuming quite a lot of vodka lately, as as you know. And my, my mates have all started joking that I'm going to turn into a potato. <laughs> uh, so that's a, that's as good as any. And then there's a, there's another that. one called. Um, I just know, and I've been banging on this week again. I should look away from Dave when I say this, but I've been banging on this week that I'm, I'm a prophet, and I know we're going to win the European Cup. So, considering I've been saying that so so many times, and and actually considering it's, it's reasonable odds, it's looking like it's going to go off at fifties. Um, the trainers won the race with Aurora's encore in um, twenty thirteen at sixty six to one. That, so Aurora's encore was um, trained out of Scotland as well, which is um, quite a. I wouldn't say it's unique, but um, generally speaking, most of the successful trainers will will have a sort of an Irish background or an English West Country background. So um, yeah, that's an interesting choice. But I like I like your uh, chase the sport. There's and a lot, and just and, and, and I just know. What are you doing? Neil? I say that a lot. Yeah, I've I got just know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I will, when I was talking to Tom the other day, I, uh, it was the first time I sort of acquainted myself with the horses, and I had to look at a fair few afterwards. And I've got a, a little bit of a. I like the look. It's about sixteen to one of see you at midnight. Mm. Uh, I think it's uh, just sort of reading about it, reading some of the background on it as well. Third in the, in the Scottish Grand National on his on his final start a couple of years ago. Didn't run much last year, but I think that's in it. That's to its benefit. 
I don't know. I think it's it may the the sort the, certain profiles. I think you know you look at the ages, and I, I had that chat with Tom. You know, certain things you can see certain traits. You're looking at something that, that's eight, that's eight nine or ten. 10 a little bit more you're looking at something that's not carrying over 11 stone ideally certainly if it's going to get heavy see at midnight's on 10 carrying 10 11 obviously a decent horse tons and tons of background i mean the thing is at the most you can hope for and that what i always want is i just what i just want you know i certainly want them in the running second go round, and that's another reason why at times if i begin to get it wrong i maybe go for stuff that's got maybe a bit too much stamina and not quite enough speed hmm. uh, because I just sort of think well you want you want the run as someone who doesn't these days now gamble that often on horse racing unless I'm there and that's why you know as I say when I'm talking about the red pet stuff if you are a once a year person feel free to make this year once a year and come over for this but I'm quite like yeah you know I'll, I'll do bits and pieces on the Saturday but what I want is I want to see you in its second circuit yeah, yeah and I want to yeah. see you and if you can get well, in it I mean the phrase is a run for your money yeah, yeah. exactly that's all you, all you can ask for is a run for your money yeah. and I'll, that's what I want and I want you know if you can be there at the turn three out then yeah, that's great. And then you, because that's when you do feel that massive. You properly feel that massive entry buzz. I mean, I could, I could have no horses in it, and it's been such a, it's such a staple in your life growing up. The national that you know when you're just watching any any horses coming to the run at the end of the national, you're like, this is great, it's flying. But if you've got one who's in the pack, the leading pack of four or five, you're like, oh hello, this is yeah. this is this is the business, and yeah. and it's different to other horse races, and it shouldn't be from a gambling point of view, but it just is from a being alive point of view, yeah. and that's why people love it. So. I, I think seeing it at midnight might give might give everyone a run, and that's that's why that's what the one that's cracking in my mind. name that as well. Isn't it? it is a cracking yeah. it is a cracking name. Uh, let's do the business. Listen, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope it. I, I don't hope it's been of use. Not really. Let's not pretend for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to delude you. We're not going to kid ourselves. Come on, gaslight. Um, we're not going to kid ourselves. But you know, thank you very much to Tom for for coming in and seeing us. Uh, and uh, thank you very much to to Dave and to Mike and to Paul for all their. Uh, being present there or thereabouts and thanks a lot to uh, to, to Redbet and our partners for this year and as, as I said as I've said all the way through if you only have one one better year and it's on the national please do consider doing it with Redbet uh, they are supporting us but they're also tailor made for Liverpool fans they're trying to work with supporters across the country um, with through their other partnerships as well it's very much about fan causes and fan initiatives things that matter to supporters the Liverpool arm we're lucky to have one that's devoted just to us it is Red's bet uh, and it's 50% of profits are taken from there uh, it is meant to be a fun and innovative take on sports betting and I think so far it's fulfilling that remit it will be great to start to get the causes and we can start talking about them that'll be on its way very very soon indeed but they are supporting us this year so I hope you've enjoyed it and do feel free to, to join up with them uh, and I hope you've enjoyed these little specials around sporting events I'm going to try to convince someone to let us do one on the snooker. Maybe we'll just do one on our own. See you in a bit. Sports Social Podcast Network.